Not everybody out here is trying to fucking offend you. Trust me. A lot of you out here are looking to be offended. No matter what someone's trying to do, me, for instance, I'm trying to inspire people to be the best they can, to get the fuck out of bed, to get after it, to be better than who they fucking are. When I'm saying bitch, I'm usually telling you a story about how my bitch ass didn't want to get out of fucking bed, how I didn't want to go run, how I didn't want to do something. I'm not trying to talk about females. So you females out here who are trying to use my words, twisted and say, I'm using bitch all the time to my females, you're wrong. I'm never talking about that. For instance, another instance, I'm using a story about my life growing up, how some kids call me the N-word. I'm telling a group of people this shit. Guess what happens? I'm telling them a story about how I got called the N-word. They get fucking offended by someone calling me the N-word, like I'm calling them the N-word. We live in a very soft, weak, mental society. This is a big fucking problem, people. When I say fuck, motherfuck, shit, guess what? I talk about real life situations. I don't give a shit if you can't share it with your fucking kids. Your kids are probably getting bullied. Your kids are probably going through hard times. Your kids are probably hearing a whole bunch of shit and they gotta process that shit in their head. Trust me, my cussing, my saying fuck, and all this other shit, that's the least of the problems in this world. We have major problems out here. People wanna water down hardcore situations. Once you leave the house, and your mommy and daddy, and the comfort of your friends aren't there anymore, society will kick you in your fucking ass. So when I say bitch, I'm usually talking about myself. I've never talked about a female. On top of that, when I say fuck, it's a fucking hard world out there. I'm not gonna say, hey everybody, life is really tough. Therefore, please be careful out there. No, life will fuck you up if you're not fucking ready. Sorry, life didn't put nice silver spoons laid out for me. Therefore, my language is a little bit raw. Cause why? In some situations out there in life, shit is fucking raw. You want the real deal? You want to hear the real deal? Come to my site. If not, go do you. Stay hard. What's up, y'all? It's the world famous Ben Right here. Hey, you're now listening to the Sounds of the Scramble Life Podcast. Are you ready? Hell yeah. All right, here we go. Yes, yes, back again with the Scramble Life Podcast. It's your boy G on the mic, and I got my man L Scratch over on the other line. What's up, L? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What it do? What it do, people? Man, everything. We right here in the center of Juneteenth, Father's Day weekend, 2021. Happy Father's yes, Day, indeed. L. You know Happy saying? Father's Day, my good brother. Happy yes, Father's sir. Day Thank to you. you. Thank you. So we all out here doing what we do. You know, black people out here celebrating Juneteenth all weekend. We all in the media. That's right. In, you know, different ways and different lights. You know, that's been very interesting to see. If you don't know what Juneteenth is, you could go look it up. Um, I'm sure Al could give a decent description within a couple of words on what it is right quick. And basically, you know, 1865, Texas was the last state to acknowledge and recognize that, you know, all enslaved people in this wilderness shall be free. And, uh, you know, that was a day that was uh, 
day of uh, I call reconciling in a small portion for the uh, ancestors of ours who worked enslaved and toiled in this land for years and years. And, uh, you know, that Confederate state at the time uh, gave it up. So now we uh, have it as a uh, national. No, I, I can't say national. There's a difference between a federal holiday and a national holiday. So it is a federal holiday. I think it was just signed into effect uh, Thursday or Friday, if I make no mistake. So, um, yeah, Juneteenth, man, that's what it is. It's been on the table for many, many years, and now it's being acknowledged. So, yeah, yep. yes, so, man. So this is that, and I know where I live at over here. You know, they've had a celebration for the last, I think, 46 years in this city or area. And Did you say 26 or 46? 46. 46 wow. This was one of the first cities to have a parade and all that. And the whole Gotta weekend. give it up to that, man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Saying. So, that's the city of Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, New York. Buffalo holding it down, man. Yeah, so Juneteenth. I've, I've always went to Juneteenth when I was younger, and you know, and it was, you know, every element of black culture was there. You had your Jamaicans. Uh, you yeah. had all your locals, you had your Africans there, this, that, and the other. Then, you you know, you also got to see all the elements of the community. So, right, you, you right. got to see all your fraternities, sororities, motorcycle clubs, other types Everything of clubs, black. Boy Scouts in the community, business owners. Yes. Uh, everybody yes. was in the parade that was, you know, somebody in the town. And um, right. you also got to see the different vendors selling the clothing and the food. The food was my favorite part, you know, and you <laughs> all types of the food, so you especially like the right. Jamaican food and and uh, you know West Indian food, whatever, man. Um, the grilled barbecue food, all that stuff. So yeah, that's Juneteenth. Yeah. That's Juneteenth, and uh, it's been going on we love for a while. They got it. They got it out that way somewhere, right? Like in, oh yeah, man. They've been at it out here for, for I'm not sure how many years, but uh, it's definitely been out here. But it's kind of been. I don't want to say suppressed, but not, uh, you know, as identifiable as other celebrations within the city. It gets kind of smothered and covered up real quickly, but it's always been here. You know, uh, just as a boy growing up on 125th Street and walking on that block every day, basically, of my life in Harlem, you know, you get the insight that most people in the outer boroughs may not get because, and this is no disrespect to any other borough, but, you know, if you're not on that front line where the red, black, and green is really, really like the home central center for information where you got vendors with books on tables and and having conversations with you for 45 minutes about the books that they displaying, you're not going to be able to have access to certain information. I forgot about the books. (laughs) Yes, yes, my brother. That was the important part. Mm. That was the the most important part, you know what I mean? the most important part because when you get that knowledge in the book and you go home and you read it to self, that's where you start. The, you know, the mind is so vivid and it's no longer imagination. It becomes almost like a reality to you. But you create that picture in your mind and as you talk to the brothers up and down 125th, you start to realize how great of a people we are. You know, so to see this thing come to light that many years later, man, I just hope, gee, and I want to get your take on this. You know how these holidays uh, become commercialized and then it's more like a situation of um, it gets taken out of, you know, what the real true meaning of the holiday should be. And I just hope it doesn't take that, that part of the commercialization and capitalism that this society is built upon. 
how can I say this? Well, I'll say it. I'm going to give you the commercial version of the answer. Uh, corporate America will capitalize on this, so you're going to see a whole bunch of kente cloth, tablecloths, and barbecue grills, and hats, yep. and toothbrushes, yep. and everything else you can mm-hmm. think of. It's coming, especially next year. They're they getting it together now. So it's going to become commercialized. It's going to be parties and events and week more. It's going to become bigger. They're going to make money off the ancestors like, again. I, I remember, like, you know, back in the day, he, he may have been here on a promo run. I'm not sure. Like, one year they had Kumo D here for June 10th. Mm-hmm. And that was the year it was messed up because somebody, I don't know, they were shooting or somebody lit off some firecrackers and he had to stop the show and it was just chaos. But, um, mm. yeah, it, it's, it's going to be more more sponsors getting involved. How does that sound like? You know, more yes. Budweiser's yes. and things like that. So, yeah, it's going to be bigger concerts on these weekends. And, you know, especially if they're doing it right behind Father's Day every year. I mean, that's shit. That's going to be some big shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, that's going to so be so really yeah, big. It's, yeah. it's definitely going to happen. It's going to be a big money thing. But, you know, something to look out for. And, and, and you know, we can see what happens with that. Um, but what we're going to do right now is move on. And we always talk about what's possibly next or what the people are thinking out here in society. So this is something you can put on the table. And if you're into religion or your own spiritual ways, I understand that. And, you know, we all have our own spiritual ways moving about throughout the scramble life that we live in. But a uh, thing they have on the table right now and they're talking about is religion isn't the secret to happiness. People are starting to say that. So uh, a global study claims atheists are just as happy as those with a faith. So atheists are just as happy as devout religious believers, a study said yesterday. It confounded the long-accepted convention that confirmed Christians and the convinced followers of the faiths are happier and more content with their lives than those without religion. But the researchers found that either a firm belief in God or strong atheist views are more likely to lead to a satisfied mind than a loose attachment to religious faith. The findings were based on happiness surveys carried out in 24 countries. Now remember that, 24 countries, which asked Mm -hmm. both about religious belief and levels of satisfaction with life. Religious beliefs and levels of satisfaction with life. Mm. All right. Academics from the Journal of Happiness Studies at the University of Cologne divided levels of belief and non-belief into four categories and found that all except weekly religious showed similar levels of life satisfaction and all were higher than the weekly religious group. All right. So they said the importance of Christianity is uh, happiness uh, has been exaggerated because the evidence is often drawn from America and it's large Bible Belt population believers. All right, now the findings conflict with those of some major international studies. A project published in 2019 by the respected Washington-based Pew Research Center said actively uh, religious people were happier than non-religious people in half of the 36 countries it looked at. Uh, It found religious people were notably uh, happier than others not only in the U.S., but in Japan, Australia, and Germany. A British study carried out by academics from Lancaster University uh, said this spring that teenagers who believe in God have scored higher 
GCSE results than others. Uh, the colonial <clears throat> researchers say religion and happiness depend heavily on the country involved. Wait a minute, let me back up on that one. The Cologne researchers said religion and happiness depend heavily on the country involved. In strictly religious countries, atheists are less satisfied with their lives. But ratings improve in more liberal countries with a higher proportion of non-believers. So they suggested that this could be linked to discrimination against atheists uh, in theocracy or highly religious states. And I know I just butchered that word. Uh, The findings were based on a Swedish-based world value survey collaboration between social scientists covering 100 countries, including Britain, and 400,000 individuals, researchers uh, Catherine Pohl said previous research has predominantly found evidence for a universal and linear uh, relationship between religiosity and life satisfactions, which has led to the conclusion that highly religious people are more satisfied with life than non-religious people. So this is the beef back and forth. And, uh, you know, it just says here that the, the reason for the uh, this belief is previous studies were mainly focused on U.S. American samples without taking any influence the difference between countries into consideration, as well as not differentiating. De- <laughs> I can't say that word. Appreciating? No, nah, differentiating. Dif- I can't say so. Differentiating? Differentiating. Between non-religious okay. subgroups, I can't read. Uh, <laughs> she added <laughs> the impact of religion. We just got free. We just got free. <laughs> we just, just, just got, got to free, massa. <laughs> <laughs> she added the impact of religion on life satisfaction depends on multiple factors, amongst others, the tip, the type of non-religious subgroup uh, to which an individual individual belongs, the country's social norm of religiosity. In the societal uh, level of development, so it, this is basically could go either way. But it, what I got out of the story is it's all about also where you're at. Yeah, it leads to believe like something like basically if you didn't pray every day, let's say, but you didn't have so much society beating on your yep. brain from all different directions, you'll be all right. right. So. That's what I'm getting out of this. But you, some of you guys listening to this episode, you might want to go back and rewind this part and listen to that story again. Uh, and that gets basically into being an atheist versus believing in religion and the outcome of your life and what you want your life to be. But as they said in the story, and I believe that it it depends on the country you're in. Um, Definitely. I don't know what you got to say about that, but go ahead. Well, in the words of the great God, Rakim Allah, it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. I mean, right. and in addition to that, I got a, a few folks I know who have uh, lived in, stayed and visited in places around the world. And you're right, in certain societies, like specifically Thailand, where, you know, it's peace, it's paradise. There, there's no real uh, strain. You can be who you want to be. Do There's no, like, there's no uh, pressure. And, and, and I mean, there's poverty, but there's like, People who may be living in poverty, it's not like, oh, it's the end of the world. It's, but you know what? I'm in poverty, but guess what? The bird is flying. It's, look at the beautiful trees. Look, it's like, you know, religion, I think, sometimes places those stresses and strains and pressure on people 
Um, so, like you said, depending on where you're at, you know, like let's say, for example, here in certain uh, dire straits situations, you might have people say, oh, Lord Jesus, help me what I'm going to do, Lord. It's right. Gonna, you know, is this what we are at? I mean, it's, it's clear and evident. Yes, indeed. I'm mm-hmm. glad that this study came out and it's actual factual that, you know what, no knock on religion, but you know, a lot of times this is a mental chess game that's yes. being played. It's a much bigger picture. Excellent story. And especially Excellent. when you think about religious organizations in particular, I always think about you're going to a church with other people. It could be five people to 1,000 people that's members of that congregation. So you're putting yourself in the middle of this situation where all these people is really in your business, the pastor in your business. You got to pay tithes. Because I, I, like I say with a lot of different things, and you've heard me say it on different episodes, everything the way we, with the way we move in the world has changed. So the more people around, more fucked up energy you're going to absorb in ways and people talking right. about you, people pulling you into the bullshit, just that and the other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that story makes a lot of sense, man. And uh, it is what it is. But, yeah, you might want to go back and listen to that part of the show again. That was a very interesting subject right there. So that's that on that one right there. So what we're going to do right now is get into another part of the motherfucking show. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to work here no more. You don't So we back with another work life story right here on the Scramble Life Podcast, episode number twenty-eight. And this one goes twenty-eight, little, baby. Twenty-eight. This one goes a little something like this. Hospital patient dies after security guard before surgery. <laughs> what? Hospital patient dies after security guard before surgery. So this will happen. A woman died after an ex-security guard at a Pakistani hospital posed as a doctor and performed surgery on her, police said, on Monday. So Shamima Begum, age 80, died on Sunday, two weeks after Muhammad Wahid Butt attempted to treat her back wound at a public hospital in the eastern city of Lahore. All right, so it says here, uh, we can't keep up with what every doctor and what everyone is doing at all times. It's a large hospital, explained an administrative official from uh, Lahore's Mayo Hospital, who did not want to be named. All right, he said it was unclear what type of surgery the imposter had performed in the operating theater, operating theater, where a qualified technician was also present. Uh, Pakistan's public hospitals uh, where patients are required to pay some money towards treatment can often be inefficient and chaotic. Begum's family paid butt for the operation and two further home visits to dress her wound. But when the bleeding and pain worsened, her family returned to the hospital where they discovered what had happened. Her body is being kept for an autopsy to a certain whether uh, the death was a result of complications from the botched surgery. The guard has been charged and is in police custody. Custody, uh, Lahore police spokesperson 
Ali set fire to the AFP. All right. And it says here, but has posed as a doctor and made home visits to other patients in the past also. Uh, Mayo Hospital wow. says that Butt was fired two years ago for trying to extort money from patients. So he, shit. Wow. He was that dude. So earlier in May, a man was arrested for posing as a doctor at Lahore General Hospital and extorting money from patients in a surgical ward. In 2016, it, it was revealed a woman posing to be a neurosurgeon conducted operations for eight months alongside qualified doctors in Lahore Service Hospital, uh, the second largest health facility in Pakistan. So over there in Pakistan, cats is slipping in, in the damn surgeon rooms doing whatever. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy as hell. That's crazy. Trying to come up yeah, to it at the same time. Trying to come up. Man. You know, they need some type of monitoring system in there, man, especially at the uh, entry and exit points of these surgical rooms. I mean, because, look, what's going in there? Right. You know, surgery is something that usually takes a little more than five minutes, maybe. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, somebody, they're so busy that they don't have anybody walking by checking or <laughs> just other doctors or nurses to see, like, which doctor is performing what surgery. I know, right? That's kind of, that's, they must have a lot of people in them hospitals. Yeah, they got to have a lot of people, and it's probably, you know, a lot of it got to be paid for by the government or something like that, bro. Shit like yeah, that be happening. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What is they doing? Yeah, bro? man. Yeah. So Crazy. what we're going to do right now is going to take a little musical break. Let's do it, baby. Who we got? And, uh, secret, know, secret. Shit, it's Father's Day, man. I'm going to roll with, uh, let me see, somebody new we ain't never played. Here we go. Hey man, people keep asking, man. You heard a lot on the piano? the game free Cause with them all without them, I'ma get my riches Never had 
That's off the album Gentleman of Leisure, which came out in 2020, mm. but it's still relevant and still hot. Uh, and that's one, oh, yeah. of, one of his best projects right there. So what we're going to do on this edition of Scramble Life podcast is uh, we're going to get into one of everybody's favorite segments right about now, y'all. Yeah. Is what you need, need. and I'm gonna give you fifty shades of it. it. What you need, what you need, what you need. I'm gonna give you fifty shades of it. Little boy, is what you need, what you need, and I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. What you need? What you need? What you need? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Teacher sex. <laughs> I can't Teacher talk. Sex. Teacher sex. Episode twenty-eight. Scramble Life podcast. So this one right here, we got a sex crazed teacher who paid a boy five hundred dollars to perform oral sex on her. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. So here we go. Divorced. Okay. A divorced New Jersey teacher allegedly treated her class of disabled students as her private harem. Wait a minute. We got to turn on the wind for this one. All right. So according to the Exus County Daily Voice, three more students have filed lawsuits against disgraced teacher Nicole Default in the Orange Maplewood School District. Now, Default pleaded guilty in January to three counts of aggravated criminal sexual contact on accusations she sexually assaulted six boys in 2013 and 2014. Now, according to the new lawsuit, the mom of two, Twisted Antics only came to light when a student shared a cell phone video of the teacher performing oral sex on one of the victims. All right. One victim heard about a teacher who regularly had sex with the students during clandestine lunch. Lunches. Okay. Another boy was given expensive gifts like Nike running shoes and had his grades altered in exchange for sex. Wow. She showed boys in her class videos of her having sex with a janitor and asked them about the size of their penises, the lawsuit said. According to the lawsuit, Default, which is her last name, D-U-F-A-U-L-T, allegedly took the boy's virginity and raped him more than 200 times. 
Most of the abuse took place in her classroom. When she gave the boy $500 to perform oral sex on her, the lawsuit states, all right? So she gave the boy $500. She had money. She, I don't Because teachers don't make a lot of money. I don't know where that money's coming from. But another alleged victim said the fault, uh, whom the boys called Nikki, sex text him and said she couldn't wait to give him oral sex. She also allegedly wanted to kill a female student because the boy was talking to her. Damn, she was crazy as shit. Oh, man, yeah. One student uh, said he traded sex with the fault so she would help him cut classes. In another instance, she allegedly called one boy to her class while supervising a student taking a makeup test. The fault and the boy walked to her car where she told him, quote, Take off your fucking pants. Alright. She didn't perform oral sex on the boy. And that's pretty much uh, the end of that one right there. So that's that was out there in the state of New Jersey. And this is Nicole. Jersey. I don't know if you saw the picture right here, but yeah, this is they didn't give her an, her age either, but she looks like she's about forty. She forty. She's she, forty. Yeah, she about forty. She forty. Mm. It says that here that she argued that brain surgery left her vulnerable sexual uh, come on man sexual contact with students Mm. she's just a guilty porn hub chick that's what they look like bitch she nasty as hell and she she was paying she was a paymaster and for those of you that don't know what a paymaster is Mm -hmm. uh, that's a woman that you know will buy you sneakers and all different types of stuff like that because it's a void in her life now they said she's divorced so the husband probably figured out her ass was crazy a long time ago and got out that shit quick. And that's how she getting that money to pay them boys. <sighs> probably from the, the um, alimony or child support. Yep. Jesus Christ, man. Look at her. Look at her. Just let yourself go. I'm looking at her now. You just let yourself go there, honey. You're 40 years old. Look at you. you know, huh? Crazy Get as it hell. together. But once again. You might as well take that money, get a personal trainer, and do a lifestyle change. You might catch something. She ain't gonna do that because all she wanted was. Can you make me feel good? Can you make me feel good? Can you make me feel good? What did you say, nigga? Feel good. I can work you feel good for that. Just make me feel good. Just make me feel good. I want, I want to feel good. I want to feel good. That's all she wanted. That's all she wanted. That's what she needs. Yeah, that's what she needs. I'm going to give you 50 shades of it. So we talk about 50 shades of it. Shit. Did you know that it's legal for teachers to have sex with students in certain states? States of America? Yeah, United States of America. All right. Ah, uh, bro, come on, man. Come so, on, So, let's bro. see. 14-year-olds can legally consent to sexual touching by teachers in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Right. Say that one more again for the folks. One All more right. again. So, 14-year-olds can legally consent to sexual touching by teachers in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. 
So for you people out there that aren't too geographically hip to what's going on with the map, that's kind of like up above New York City going up towards the north, the way up top, northeastern side of the country to the side a little bit. Like I said, over that's that tri, right over that tri-state area, right? Kind of sort of yep. above Connecticut. Northeast, that's yeah. basically where they first landed from Europe, basically. That's what it is. Go on. That's right. Ooh. Go on. The rituals, the rituals continue. Man, oh man. So, yeah, one teacher offender can have as many as 73 victims, according to a 2010 GAO report. So, it's a lot going on up there that we don't even hear about because it's protected by the law. And let me tell you something. Rhode Island was founded on May 4th, 1776, right? And what was the other state? Massachusetts. You know what's up up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of crazy Massachusetts, shit. Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. They were founded on February 6, 1788. Mm. Mm-hmm. 22 years later, it looks like. So let's see here. It's those late. are the two states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these these are those states that are holding on to those. Yeah, and it says it's yeah. legal for teachers, school employees, school bus drivers, coaches, and all other adults in position of authority to sexually touch the children in their care with their consent in a non uh, penetrative way once the child turns 14. That's very, that's very descriptive and specific. Like, who would write that? Who would write that? Into law. It's got to be some type of pedophilia type of. That's uh, sickening. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Currencies. Uh, da, 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 once the child's turned 16 and then they've been fighting it they've been fighting it the last couple of years so people up there have been trying to get this on the table with all of the state officials and they're trying to figure out what to do with this bill and every time they try to bring it to the table something happens where it gets pushed off the table so uh, we'll keep an eye on that one but just keep in mind that yes teacher sex is legal in Rhode Island and Massachusetts and uh that's definitely something to keep your eye on right there. Uh, other than that, nightclub violence, shit. There's been a lot of shootings all over the place. I mean, nothing really too much to talk about with that one. Um, so we've been safe. you saying we've been safe out there. No, we ain't been safe because I'm, I'm looking at it now. Like, there's been a lot of shit going on, and I'm not going to go into each individual story, but uh, it was okay. a nightclub shooting out in San Jose, California. That was about a day ago. Uh, let's see here. Northside nightclub. I was in San Antonio. Somebody was shooting near a club. I was in San Antonio, Texas. That was a day ago. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here. They shoot. Uh, somebody that shot somebody out at a Detroit nightclub got charged another day. That was a couple of days ago. Um, people still talking about this post nightclub shooting. I think they're gonna about, about to make that like a not a national holiday, but they're about to do something with that with Biden. I'll keep your eye on that one. And which which shooting is this? That was the post nightclub shooting. So that was the gay bar down in Florida where somebody went in there and shot it up, and it was like that was big news, big big news about three. Four oh yeah, years I remember ago. that. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, they mm-hmm. still you know got a lot going on with that. And, Biden's involved now, and they're going to try to do some type of memorial or something like that. So that's something going on with that situation. 
Uh, what else is going on here? Six shot, two killed in an overnight shooting near Florida Boulevard. Um, bar victims identified. And that was that was a while ago. Uh, let's see here. Police chased down drivers suspected of shooting at Midtown Detroit nightclub. So that's so always some shit going on in Detroit. That's another city you gotta watch your ass. <laughs> if you in Detroit, Detroit right? Woo, Detroit, you gotta man. watch your ass in Detroit, boy. So yeah, Detroit, Michigan, and that one was going on right there. Uh, so that's that with the nightclub violence. Nothing too heavy in the last twenty four hours, Juneteenth weekend. I think everybody uh, tried to keep their shit together this past weekend, which is a good thing. And uh, we actually need to applaud everybody on that. So it is what it is. So yeah, uh, anything in your media bag this week? Media bag this week? Uh, no, I didn't have anything uh, that I could recall. No, nothing at all. Nothing really. Okay. Well, no. <clears throat> I caught this one program on C-SPAN. It was actually on C-SPAN three. Uh, and the name mm-hmm. of the program was Preserving African Slave Trade Shipwrecks. So basically, oh, uh, you got several organizations of scuba divers that are black, and they have black scuba diver organizations. So this one in particular is the National Association of Black Scuba Divers. You guys can look that one up and make, do- make donations if you want to. Uh, it's another one called Diving with a Purpose, which is black scuba divers. So basically, this whole interview was with uh, Albert Jose Jones, who's like the leader of this whole movement. And it was some other people on there that are archaeologists, uh, to be specific, archaeologist divers. And uh, they were mm. they were on this show and they were talking about going down in the water and finding these slave ships and the artifacts and things of that nature. And nobody else really cares about getting into it and preserving it and and recording all the records and history of what they find in these situations. So these people right here um, are responsible for putting the missing pieces in this whole slavery story together. Um, Is that the one that had Samuel L. Jackson on it, G? No, this was like just all these dudes and the girl that was there, uh, Fluel, and I can't forget her. And you'll see why if you look her up. But um, they were just building on the whole subject of just about mm. five black archaeologists and they're divers right. and they were talking about how also they're trying to get students uh, to get involved with this whole thing. Like, you know, they, they're willing to teach people how to swim and to teach people how to get into the game and, you know, go down there in that water and find these different black African artifacts, you know, from the slave trade. Right. So, yeah, once again, what was the, what was the name of that? Uh, preserving African slave trade shipwrecks. It was recorded in October of 2020, uh, and they replayed it yesterday, actually, on C-SPAN. Uh, and oh, one of the C-SPAN. ships, that, and one of the ships that he talked about in particular was the Guerrero ship, and I think it sunk in 1701, bringing slaves over here. So, yes, yes. You, you know, know what's interesting and ironic, G? Mm-hmm. I I did watch a show. I think it was on Netflix. Netflix. It was a four five part series that had Samuel L. Jackson on it, which was discussing the same thing. And I think that was just done in like 2021. Oh, it was last year, but it's out now. And I think it's called Enslaved. 
and they spoke about that as well. They spoke about the transatlantic slave trade and how uh, the majority of the Africans were actually uh, landed. 46% were, uh, were taken to Brazil. That's where the majority of us were. But the priority of the uh, of the uh, discussion in the, in the episode was about these slit ships that had sunk and they went down and they verified that uh, although at certain times in history, let's say, for example, when England said that they abolished slave trade, they were still actively doing it in the times, in the books, in the, and then according to stories and journals written by certain people right. in the artifacts they retrieved from the Atlantic Ocean, it was proven to be true. Mm-hmm. So uh, up on the top on the surface, they make it seem, and they're not the only ones, they make it seem as though they're not involved with something. Meanwhile, they are. Correct. You know, and they spoke about the pirates. So very interesting that I did watch something like that. And you're talking about that thing on C-SPAN as well. So. Yep. I think it's going to be more to come with that, with the artifacts and the, the things that are down that ocean. The ocean tells the true story. Yes, sir. And if you want to go look up no. that guy, uh, his name, once again, is Albert Jose Jones. And he's okay. a co-founder of the National Association of Black Scuba Divers. And if you want to get your child involved in scuba diving for research purposes or just to, you know, be an archaeologist, period, you might want to check this guy out. He can... You know, tell you how to do it. I know he went to college in D.C. and he did a whole bunch of stuff. And he's been in water all around the world. So right, right. He can tell you some shit. All right. So on that Good note, stuff. Good stuff. what we're going to do is go on ahead in this show. We want to thank everybody for tuning sure. in. If you have comments, you can email us at the at gmail dot com. Uh, check us out online. Uh, big up to everybody in Virginia that's been listening. Uh, all the people in the beautiful state of Texas that have been listening. All the people overseas and like Norway and Canada and and uh, just all everybody that's listening to the show. We thank you. We thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yep. Happy Father's Day once again to all the fathers. Yes, yes. Happy Father's you know? Day to everybody out there listening. All right, so what we're going to do right now is end the show a little something like this, y'all, and, uh, you know, catch us for the next one. we in the summer months right now, so it might be a little spotty up until September right. or October, but, we, you know, we're going to do what we could do. But in the meantime, check out the old episodes, y'all. We out of here. Peace. Peace.